Aren't you glad he loves you? Amen? Again, we love him because he first loved us. That's good. That song kind of worked good with our course today, didn't it? Went right dovetailed together there. All right, take your Bible. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 7, reading there. I'm going to be um, in the future here, the near future. I'm going to try to be focusing a little bit more on, um, a little bit more on, I don't know if you call it family or if you're going to call it um, relationships or, I don't know. Like, for instance, I'm going to do one message uh, or, or lesson that says, not on Wednesday night either, it'll probably be Sunday night, um, you know, five reasons why you should basically dump this guy. And somebody says, well, yeah. Well, you know, somebody says, well, I don't need that. Man, I'm going to tell you what, there's a lot of people that need that today, let me tell you, you know. And so, you know, you say, well, that's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, maybe, but I thought it might be good. And then I'm going to speak to you in about five ways that we teach our children how to be entitled. Five ways we're teaching our children to be entitled. And, you know, those are things that we're concerned about, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then we're going to talk about, I'm going to do a message here pretty soon on this election coming up. And I'm going to share something with you about voting and where we're going with this. Someone says, well, you're not allowed to do that. I'm absolutely allowed to do that. Absolutely. Matter of fact, it's important that I do that. And so I'll be bringing some things. I'll be sharing some statistics. I'm going to be looking at some things. See, uh, I'm convinced that we need to understand that we're not voting for a candidate. We're voting for a philosophy. And we have to be very careful in that regard than what we're voting for or who we vote for or who we choose not to vote for or if we choose to vote for neither, what philosophy we're really endorsing. We have to be careful with a few things here. And so I want to bring some things to light or at least get you to think about a few things maybe you've already thought about. And that's great. And uh, maybe you haven't. And that'll be all right, too. But um, I'm just a little concerned about where we're going. You realize we have a Supreme Court justice that still has to be elected, put on the Supreme Court? Whoever's put on that Supreme Court could determine the outcome of so many cases, whether they be conservative viewpoints or liberal viewpoints. And, and, and some of the I, I'm, we can't even fathom where that will take us. And so we really have to be consider, again, what we're doing about this next This election's big. It's very big. It's very important. And so we cannot take it lightly. We can't just go, well, I'm checking out because they're both a bunch of losers. And I'm not going to argue with you. I, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. You know, don't, don't look for an argument from me. But my point being is somebody, one of those two, is going to be in office. One of those two will be in office no matter what you do about it. So you better think about what you're doing before you do or don't do something. And so we'll talk a little bit about that, okay? All right, let's go ahead and look at 1 Timothy 4. You say, boy, this is going to get exciting. We're going to be talking about some fun stuff. Yeah, over these next weeks, we, we will. We'll, we'll start working on it. We'll probably do a lot of that on Sunday nights, uh, those things, uh, just for the sake of it. It's, it's, it's a good time. And we'll go from there. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 4. 
Beginning in verse 7, the Bible says, But refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. That is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself under the doctrine continue in them for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee now again we've been dealing with the book of timothy and we understand that timothy himself was paul's protege and paul was his mentor and boy i'll tell you what they had a great relationship and god used paul to encourage and exhort and ultimately equip the, the, the timothy for the ministry and the work of god and we talked about the fact that Timothy went to, went to Ephesus. Paul understood completely that he would have some opposition. He understood that he would face some obstacles. He knew that there were going to be some issues there because Timothy was a younger man than those that were there. And as a result of that, in many cases, the, 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 those that are a little bit older struggle with those that are a little younger. And in this case, as pastor of the church, he was going to take the lead. And sometimes his leadership because he was a little younger, would be questioned or critiqued maybe a little bit more thoroughly than others may have been critiqued that would be a little bit older in age. But Paul says, now listen, there's some things you can do, Timothy, to help alleviate that problem, to help overcome that problem and to deal with that problem. And he says, so he makes it clear that there will be those issues and you must be prepared and ready to fight the battle. You're going to have to stand boldly no matter what. But he tells them to, pro to refuse profane and old wise fables and to keep his and the people's focus on the truth. Keep focused on the word of God. Keep focused on the truth of God. Don't get sidetracked by a bunch of things that really aren't significant in light of eternity. Um, also, he tells them, to exercise himself rather unto godliness. He, he says, you know, exercising your body is good, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's nothing more profitable for you, both in this life and the next, than a consistent spiritual workout. And so he says, Timothy, you're going to have to work yourself out. Don't get caught up in a bunch of crazy conversations. Don't try to match your wits with people or worldly knowledge. No, you stick to the word of God. You stay true to the, to the word, to the scriptures. And then also, listen, exercise yourself rather into godliness. And he says, and then he encourages him to remain faithful in the work of God again, to labor and to suffer reproach while trusting in the living God. Yes, you're going to have opposition. And yes, you're going to have some discouragement. Sure, there's going to be people that are going to turn on you and you're going to have, uh, you're going to have, you know, feel rough and you're going to feel disappointed and even depressed possibly at some point or discouraged. But the fact is, is don't quit. Don't give up. Remain faithful in the work of God. Continue to labor and suffer reproach and just keep trusting God. And then he instructs them to be an example of the believers. He says, be an example of the believers in word, conversation, charity, spirit, faith, and purity. 
you reflect the character, the compassion, and the conduct that every single believer should possess and every believer should display before the world. And that which truly reflects true religion. Don't give them a reason to point their finger. Don't give them a reason to say that you're not the man of God you ought to be. Make sure that you live up to the biblical expectation. Don't set a man as your standard. Set the Lord Jesus Christ as your standard. So Paul will now go on and he's going to offer another suggestion. He's going to instruct Timothy to keep growing. If you want to overcome this this, uh, the, the, this um, I guess, pressure of uh, being young and dealing with this older crowd and, and concerned about their criticism or their, 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 their attitude towards you as a young man, if you want to deal with that and you want to put that to rest and silence all that mess, then you're going to have to keep growing. You've got to keep growing. And so we're going to pray and then we're going to consider these next couple of verses along the way and see if we can't learn something that will benefit us too. And we'll trust the Lord with that. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for these that have gathered. Lord, it's a a good group tonight. We're excited to have each and every one. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for just the privilege that we have to come to your house and to be uplifted and encouraged to the music. And Lord, just to now have opportunity to hear the message from the Word of God, to take the Word of God and begin to break it down a little bit, begin to see the ins and outs and ultimately be able to apply these truths to our life. Bless us and help us. We need you, Lord. And we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So he tells him now, he says in 1 Timothy 4, 13, Till I come, give attendance to reading and to exhortation, to doctrine. Now he's just gotten off this aspect of being an example of the believers. And then he goes right into verse 13 and he says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Now listen, I don't know if the Apostle Paul ever ended up there in Ephesus after he said that. But can I tell you that it seems to me that whenever you're having a difficult time or you're in facing a, a trial or a tribulation or, or possibly you feel the burden of the weight of the ministry on your shoulders or possibly the weight and the, the burden of a circumstance or a trial or a situation, it is wonderful to think someone's going to show up and encourage you. And he says, listen, till I come. And you know what? I'm convinced Paul did not lie to Timothy. I don't know if he showed up. He may have showed up the next week. He may have showed up the next year. I don't know. But in the scriptures, we really aren't told that he showed up any given time after that. But what we do know is that that he wouldn't have said it if he didn't mean it. But I'll guarantee you one thing. Young Timothy thought, preacher's coming, man. Woo! Preacher's coming. I can hold out. I can hold out till he's coming. I'm going to keep going till he comes, shows up, because then I'll be here to really lay it on him. I'll be here to tell him what's really happening. I'll be, and you know what? I got to believe whether he showed up or not, Timothy just kept on going and just did the work of God. And in this case, he says, till I come give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Again, that attendance to reading, attendance to reading. Timothy would begin, of course, by what? Reading the Bible. You know, you got to believe that, right? I mean, the Word of God was definitely a priority on his read list. You know, if there's any book that Timothy wanted to read, I'm sure it was the Word of God. I wonder where it fits on our reading list. I wonder if Reader's Digest or the the Daily Blog or possibly the newspaper or maybe some other publication seems to take or draw more of our attention than the Word of God does. 
I would hope not, but in reality, the fact is, is that that's probably the case in a number of people's lives. Not necessarily in yours tonight, but across this country, there are not nearly as many people concerned about this book as they are about a different book. I don't know what it's called. It could be a number of other books. But if you talk about reading the Word and you say, do you read your Bible? They say, well, I don't know, not really. I mean, statistically, we know that the United States, in the United States, Bible reading has dropped significantly. That even believers are reading less and less of the Word of God. So if the believer's reading less, then we know that our, in our culture, the lost man certainly doesn't pay much attention or heed the Word of God anymore. So in this case, he says, listen, give attendance to reading. And I've got to believe that the Apostle Paul is saying, you better make sure you stay in the book. Keep reading. Keep studying. Keep digging. Keep meditating. Keep getting into that book because that's what you're going to need. If you're going to keep going till I come, if you're going to stay faithful till I come, you're going to have to get in the Word because David recognized that over there uh, when, he was, uh, when the Amalekites came and stole all the family and stole all of the, 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 the spoils of, of the little city there, Ziglag. And he said, the Bible says when the men came to him, they wanted to stone him, they wanted to kill him. Nobody could care, they could have cared less what David thought at that point. And the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. He didn't call mom and he didn't call dad. He, he didn't get a hold of his pastor even. He didn't get a hold of anybody, the priest or anybody else. He literally thought, I got to get a hold of God right now. I'm in a desperate situation. I don't have time to even think, let alone call somebody or let alone jump in my chariot and run on over there and get some counsel. I'm going to get a hold of God and I got to get some strength and some courage and some encouragement here. And boy, I'll tell you what, that's exactly what we need at times in our life, isn't it? More than we had realized probably. Well, we got to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And so you know where we find that encouragement? <laughs> Right there in the Word of God. And that's basically what Paul's trying to express to Timothy here. He's saying, till I come, give attendance to reading. You want to deal with those that are kind of looking down on you because of your age, your youthfulness? Then just get in that book and attend, give some attendance to reading. The Bible's a big book, isn't it? It really is. I mean, 1,189 chapters, 66 books. I mean, they say it takes like 70-some hours to read, but honestly, the last time I read through it, it took me longer than that. I'm not, obviously, I'm not as fast a reader as some people, but, man, I mean, that's just, uh, it's a big book. You say, well, I've read bigger. Well, good for you. I haven't. It's, you know, I, I, I never really liked reading growing up. I, I've had to learn to like reading as I've, you know, because I realize reading is so valuable, it's so important. And then young men, young ladies, let me tell you something. Do yourself a favor and learn to read now. Don't, 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 don't use that, well, I'm a guy, guys don't like to read. You, you know why, guys did, why we didn't like to read years, years ago? Can I tell you why we didn't like to read? Because it kept us from being outside and playing. Now it just keeps you from a television anyway. You're still sitting inside doing nothing. I'm sorry, did I say something wrong here? You know, parents, you're allowed to believe that. You're allowed to, you're allowed to believe that. You're allowed to tell your kids that that it's a waste of time. You're not going to do that in my home. You're, you're allowed to do that, parents. Did you know that? I wonder sometimes if we really believe that. I don't want to make Junior too mad. Oh, okay. But anyway, so we didn't, we, we didn't want to read because we wanted to go out and play ball. Boy, I wish I'd learned to read more. I wish I wouldn't have blew off some of those assignments. You know, and I, I still learned. I mean, I still figured I skimmed through it real fast and got enough to pass tests. 
boy, learn to read. The Bible's a big book, especially this book. And let me tell you, when you read it, you've got to read it slow sometimes. You know, it's funny. People say to me, I just, I'm struggling with reading because I'm just a slow reader. Well, then you're the perfect one to read the Bible. Because when you take your time through the Word of God, you get more out of it. Boy, you just, I mean, you just won the prize. You know, every excuse we've got, God's got a good comeback. You know what I mean? But, but the Bible rewards slow and thoughtful reading. And so, you know, we've got we to gotta familiarize ourselves with the whole of this book. You know, we have to, we've got to be able to know a little bit about each and every book. We, we should have what we would call a survey of the Bible. We need to understand what Genesis is about and Exodus is about and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. And we can go right through 66 books and we ought to have an idea of what's really being addressed and what's being talked about. If, if we're going to rightly divide this book, according to 2 Timothy 2.15, then we need to spend a considerable amount of time in the book learning how chapters and how paragraphs and how portions of Scripture fit together. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes work. Comparing Scripture with Scripture is important in the Bible. You know, we don't just pull one verse out and go, there you go, there's a doctrine. No, you have to compare Scripture with Scripture. And make sure you're not using it out of text. He says, give attendance to reading, Timothy. If you want to overcome the critics, if you want to get a handle on this issue, if you don't want to be looked down upon because you're aged, you have to do a few things. You have to be an example of all the believers and, and of the believers. And, and certainly, uh, you, know, um, you know, encourage yourself in the Lord and so forth. Exercise yourself to godliness and remain faithful in the work when it seems like it should be so overwhelming you'd want to give up. But Timothy... You're going to have to read. You're going to have to read. And you know what? That means we're going to have to turn to other books too. Now again, this ought to be our primary book. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not telling you that it shouldn't be. But on the other hand, if you really want to grow, if you want to mature in your Christian life, then listen, you're going to need some help. And there have been some great men and women of God through the years that have come through that have done some tremendous, had tremendous insights into this book and into the Word of God. And let me tell you, it doesn't hurt to get some of those. It helps us. Now, you have to be extremely careful who you read after. You really do. You, you have to be very careful. But what you will find is as you begin to get advice from your pastor and others on books which you can read that will encourage and exhort and lift you up in the faith... As you begin to get those books and you begin to read those books, you're going to find you accumulate a library of yourself, your own library. And you'll have this little shelf over here that's one rack and then two racks and then three. And before you know it, you've got a whole bookshelf of books. You've been a Christian for 20 years. You don't have a library. You probably aren't very mature in your Christian life. That's right. It's just a reality that's of it. Right. You don't know much about the Bible. I mean, I'm not trying to be downer. I'm not trying to be negative or critical. I'm just saying if Paul tells Timothy, you want to deal with the critics, and if you want to truly mature to the point where people can't point a finger and say, you are so immature and you're not really all that, and then you better, you better attend to reading. You better get on the, on the job. You better get to work. Someone says, I'm just not a reader. Well... You probably don't know as much as you'd like to know either. I guarantee you'd like, I know you'd like to know more of the Word of God. I know you'd like to have more firepower. You're going to have to learn to read. 
You have to. You have to learn to do that. There's a whole bookstore out there. There's a whole library of books you could be reading right now. You don't even have to go figure out which ones are good or bad. You just walk right back there, buy a book, and start reading today. Change your life. It will change your life. Do you know what most of us do? We wait till we're in a problem, then we go up and say, um, do you got any books on this issue? But it's already too late. But if we'd have read that book five years ago, we could have avoided a problem. I'm just telling you, read. It puts pieces and parts of this book together for you. It'll be a blessing to you. And that's exactly what Paul's trying to express to Timothy. Man, give attention to that. Give attendance to it. Make sure you're there. You know, attendance. If I said, were you you, uh, in church? You know, what's your attendance, your church attendance? What am I saying? I'm saying, are you in your place, uh, in your place, basically, at that time? Well, he says, give attendance to reading. Are you in your place? You got an appointment for that? Are you sitting down? Are you doing it? He's saying, Timothy, you're going to have to do that. And so uh, be careful with that, you know, do that. Now, he goes on to say not only that, but you need to keep growing mentally or intellectually, yes, but you also need to keep growing ministerially. You need to keep bettering yourself in the work that you do and in in, in the the Christian life. Uh, Again, there in that passage, verse 13, he says, till I come give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Now remember, Timothy's a pastor here. So he's going to, he's being encouraged by the Apostle Paul. He's saying, you know, give attendance to some things. That reading, yes. But also to, to as he says here, doctrine and exhortation. This, and so it's important, obviously, and it's important for a pastor. But I think even the saints could do, do a little bit with some of this, be helpful for them as well. Now, all of that study that Timothy could do, all that study, all that reading of the Word and all of that reading other books from men of God and those who have dug into the truth and those who have been, uh, you know, uh, approved even. And and listen to me. And and I know some people don't like what I'm saying right now when I talk about approved by your pastor. I know everybody's a lone ranger today. Everybody thinks they know what's best for them and their families, best for them and their lives. I understand that. I, I do. I understand that our culture's breeding that. It's a funny thing. We keep breeding this individualism, but yet we all want to be the same, heading in the same direction going down. But anyway, it's just amazing to me. Uh, let me tell you something. God never intended you to be a lone wolf. God never intended you to be a lone ranger. God never intended you to, to be without authority in your life. God never intended for any person to be without authority in their life. Let me tell you, the church member is the same way. God expects a church member to submit to the authority of the pastor for their own good. It's not so the pastor can be big man on campus. It's so that he can protect the sheep. You know what? You be careful what you read. But you could read all you want, all the good material you ever wanted. And Timothy could have done that too. And what basically Paul is saying to him is this. If all you do is take it in, and if all you do is receive it, if all you do is learn more and more and more, but you do not expend it, give it back. If you don't exercise this issue here, if you don't, as he puts it here in verse 13, give attendance to exhortation and doctrine, then all of that attendance to reading is a waste of time. 
Because it ought to equip us to exhort. It ought to equip us to share doctrine. And, and that's what he's getting at with him. Now, exhortation is simply, I guess, a matter of urging people. And he says here, exhortation could be, you know, it kind of breaks down like entreating people. Let me give you three words that this word could kind of break down to. Entreating. You know, when we entreat, we earnestly ask, we plead with people. Man, a preacher or a spiritual leader of any kind is going to be pleading. He's going to be earnestly asking. But then also it has to do with encouraging. This element of exhortation has to do with encouraging, to give courage to. When I'm encouraging you young men, I'm trying to give you courage to live the Christian life and to stand in the midst of a world that is going conversely or contrary to the Word of God. Consoling, to give comfort, to give comfort. So he's telling Timothy, yes, be in that book. But also, Timothy, you need to be exhorting. And you need to be sticking with it. Till I come, give attendance to exhortation. You keep entreating the people. You keep encouraging the people. You keep consoling the people. But they don't want my consolation. And sometimes they spurn my encouragement. It don't matter. You just stay at it. You just keep doing it. No matter what, just stay at it. Well, I get tired of it because every time I try to help somebody, I get a knife in the back. Join the human race. That's how life works. And that's the ministry. And that's Jesus knows what that's all about. He's not asking you to do anything He didn't do. And the truth is we're all to be involved in this process. So exhortation. But he also tells Timothy there, he says also give attendance to doctrine. That word doctrine keeps coming up, doesn't it? Man, it keeps coming up. Exhortation is the great work of the pastor. Attending to doctrine is the great work of the teacher. So the pastor is to be a teacher there too. He's to be sharing the Word of God and how it can be applied to our lives so that we can be acting on the Word of God. See, doctrine is useless if it's not acted upon. Doctrine is helping us to understand and know how to live our Christian existence in life. It's not just an intellectual ascent or a a body of knowledge. It's It's a truth to be lived, not just truth to be loved. Oh, I love knowing things. No, I love living things. That ought to be our heart. So Paul told Timothy not only to be an example, but to keep growing as well. You want to deal with this issue? You feel like some of these folks are going to be critical of your leadership? You're concerned about, they're, they're concerned about your youthfulness? Then take away their concerns. Be an example of the believers and keep growing. Keep growing in your ministry. Keep growing mentally and intellectually. And then he goes on in verse 14 to say, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. In this particular case, Paul's warning Timothy now. And he's saying, Neglect not the gift that is in thee. 
we were never really told exactly what Timothy's spiritual gifts were. But we can assume that they include the pastoral and teaching gifts, right? We could probably be pretty safe there. And the word neglect here is important too, and it's kind of interesting. It can mean a couple of things. It can mean contemptuous neglect or careless neglect or not caring for something. And he says, neglect not the gift that is in thee. Obviously, Timothy has a gift in him. And Paul the Apostle is warning him, encouraging him to say, neglect not that gift. Don't, don't, uh, don't contemptuously neglect it. Don't carelessly neglect it. Or, you know, don't get to the place where you're not caring about it anymore. Some have implied, some have insinuated that Timothy may have had somewhat of a character flaw here. Again, I'm not going to step out there and say that. But some have implied that possibly that the Apostle Paul was concerned for Timothy because maybe he, he kind of got a little bit lax in some areas. Maybe he wasn't quite as, as driven as he could have been in certain areas, and this being one of them. I'm not so convinced of that myself. But then again, I wasn't there. I don't know. But the Bible doesn't say that specifically, so I would be hesitant. The way the word is used seems to imply that there might have been a concern. I'm not convinced of that. But nonetheless, the bottom line is this. A gift has to be cared for. A gift has to be exercised or it's going to shrivel up. Just like an unused muscle will ultimately shrivel up and die, a gift that is not being used will too. Use it or lose it, they say. And it's so important that if you have a gift, that you exercise that gift. And again, you know, how many times have we seen men or women that seem to have abilities or gifts from God and they use them for the world. Isn't that sad? What's, what's he saying? Revelation 4.11. It's, I, I, I just memorized this for my discipleship. I'm discipling one of the young men. and I, um, Man, I don't know why. My mind just went blank on the first word. That, oh, that's what it is. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. For Thy pleasure they are and were created. See, that's your purpose in life, to please God. No other purpose. That's your purpose. For His pleasure they are and were created. That means you and I were created for His pleasure. So are you pleasing God? Because if you're not, you're not fulfilling your purpose. And, and so as we look at this, God gives us some gifts and God gives us some abilities. And if he did that, he gave them to us to be used to bring glory and honor to him, to ultimately please him with. Sad when we don't use those gifts for him. You know, can you imagine somebody that has this tremendous charisma and ability to talk and to convince others and to just could be used so mightily in the area of soul winning and, and evangelism. But they... Neglect that gift for God and use that gift to be a salesman. Great salesman. Great salesman. But they don't go soul winning. 
They don't try to reach souls. They don't evangelize. They don't use that gift in any way to reach the world with the gospel. That's a sad place to be, isn't it? Think about how big a void that leaves in the church then. The body of Christ. Now, there is no gift of evangelism. There's no gift. You'll never find it in the Bible. So don't go, I just don't have that gift. That's why I don't go. Okay. But anyway, we don't need to argue. Look it up sometime. See if there's a gift, a gift of evangelism. You'll never find it. You may find something, the gift of an evangelist. You ain't going to find no evangelism. You won't find it. All right, here we go. So Paul warns Timothy to resist the temptation of allowing his gift to lie dormant or to just kind of smolder. You ever deal with a fire and you get out there in a campfire and, um, you know, uh, we've had a few fires this year around our house and, and uh, you know, at some point those coals in that fire, you kind of stir them up a little bit, especially in the morning if you want to cook breakfast with the same fire you had the night before. You get in there and you stir those embers up and you get it going again. Keep that fire hot and keep it strong. Or you get it going if it started to go out. You know what? Sometimes we got to stoke the fire. And you got to feed that thing. You can't just let it lay dormant. If you got an ability, use it for God. Learn more. Prepare yourself. Tr- get training in that area. Whatever it takes, but be sharp in that area. Use it for God's glory. It's a bad decision to neglect a spiritual gift. You want to know why most of it, most for the most, uh, excuse me, you want to know why it's bad to neglect your spiritual gift for you? It's bad because one day there's a judgment seat coming. And we're going to be responsible for all those gifts we were given. And the God of the universe is going to have you standing right before him and he's going to What would you do with all that? You're going to be accountable for those gifts, those abilities. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. For if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. The fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. I like this last statement. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Certainly glad about that one. 1 Corinthians three eleven through 15. A judgment's coming, the judgment seat of Christ. And Paul continues now to remind Timothy of a very important truth now. And he says, Timothy, I want to remind you of this gift that you were given this, by, by prophecy. This gift you were given by the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. It would seem that from the passage that both Paul and others had confirmed or had been, that Timothy had been confirmed by the Holy Spirit that he was to be in the ministry. Look, if you will, in Acts 16, 1 through 3. I mean, his life bore this out. There was no secret service here on Timothy's part. He was living the life. He was living the dream, right? I wonder if, I wonder if 
we could take that question and say, do you believe that living the Christian life is living the dream? I wonder, I wonder what we would really, if we could be honest. And I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about the Christian life that has a, pay jo- a, pay, a, a job paying $150,000 a year. You know, I'm not talking about a Christianity that guarantees that everyone in your household and family are always healthy and strong. I'm just talking about the Christian life as we see it described in the Word of God and as we recognize it and, and as it's, it's outlined in this book. Would you call that the dream? Living the dream, man. So well, how are you doing it? I'm living the dream. You know what the world says? The world says that means that you got all the money you need. That means you got a beautiful wife or a handsome husband. you got healthy children. You've got a nice house and beautiful car. And Man, you got it going. But can I tell you somebody who was living the dream years ago? The early church. You know what they had to look forward to? A coliseum with lions in it. Children, wives, and families being slaughtered. But they were living the dream. That's what the Bible teaches us. Because one day they know that the suffering of this life cannot be compared to the glory of tomorrow. It just can't be compared. We gauge everything on how our life is today. This today is the litmus test for our Christianity. We look at it and go, well, I'm not happy because my circumstances are bad. And God says, your circumstances aren't the litmus test for your Christianity. If you're saved and if you're in the Word of God and if you're experiencing my presence, you are living the dream, my friend. I'm afraid we're raising a generation that, doesn't, that we're not teaching that to. I'm fearful that we're not teaching our children that that's the dream. But instead we're teaching that the dream is to have a good paying job and a nice car and a nice house and a healthy family. We're teaching that. And I'm going to preach a message. I've been talking about it for a while. Good versus godly. I'm concerned that we are content to raise good kids and we are content to have a good life But we are not that impressed, nor are we that desperate to raise godly kids and have a godly life ourselves. I'm worried about that. That's what I'm concerned about. And so we're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account, and that's why we need to do that. We've got to be very serious about the future. But notice Acts 16, 1 through 3. Here's Timothy. Notice this. Acts 16, 1 through 3. We're going to close here in just a moment. We have to. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, and which was a Jewess and believed. But his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. He would have Paul have... Excuse me, him would Paul have go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they knew all that his father was a Greek. Everybody knew his dad was a Greek. So he said, man, we're going to have to deal with this because those Jews won't accept him (laughs) at this rate. So Timothy submits to circumcision as an adult young man. Hey, he's serious about his calling. 
Can we all agree with that? Timothy was called of God. And there were men of God who the Holy Spirit had impressed and said, listen, this young man's for real. This guy is the real thing. He's on top of it. You don't have to worry about it. Look, and then look at his life and look at his commitment and look at his devotion. And then the laying on of hands. That refers to those elders again. And in the church, that word presbytery describes those who were raised up and qualified as leaders in the church. The Holy Spirit had placed them in those positions. We might call them pastors. We might call them elders in the church as we call it today. That's what happened to Paul, remember? Paul and Silas. The Bible tells us there in Acts 13, it says, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Paul, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Called of God. If you look in the Word of God, you'll see a number of people that were, were ordained, a number of people that were called to the ministry, Timothy being one of them. Do you know who was not called to the ministry but was involved in the ministry? John Mark. What happened to John Mark? He washed out. Now, we know that later on, he became profitable again. The Apostle Paul himself said, okay, bring John Mark to me. Or have him bring the books. I I mean, I understand he's grown up a little bit. He's matured in the Lord a little bit. He's gotten his feet underneath him a little bit. Praise the Lord for that. We can make mistakes. We can mess up. And we can still accomplish something great for the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to understand that this is not something light to be taken lightly, this call of God in this laying on of hands, in this ordination process. Sometimes I'm concerned maybe that we take it a little bit too lightly. Maybe we don't do enough investigation first. We've got to be careful. The Apostle Paul, he knew he had a good one in Timothy. This guy was willing to, I mean, deal with some real pain to get this thing settled. He knew he had a real, the real deal there. Well, we're going to go ahead and close it there, but it's so important in our Christian lives that we understand the need for being in this book, digging into the Word of God. It's important that we realize that we might have some gifts and some abilities God's given us. And we have got to be careful we don't get selfish with those and allow them to kind of smolder and eventually go out in our life. Or we choose to use them for the world and for self instead of for the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, let's, let's make sure that we're being serious about what we have. Somebody says, I have no gifts, no abilities at all, none. Well, that's not true. You may not know what they are, but you have them. You got some abilities, so use them for God. Listen, I uh, I ate some cupcakes at the picnic the other day. I don't eat a lot of sweets, but well, okay, sometimes I do. But those cupcakes were really good. Wouldn't it be sad to think that somebody would could make a cupcake that good? 
would go out and start a business to make cupcakes, but then never once bring a cupcake to the church picnic. Wouldn't it be sad to think they might do that? So I have no gifts, I have no abilities. Uh, you obviously make a good cupcake. And let me tell you, those are some good cupcakes. I don't know if you'll be going into business anytime soon, but I would hate to think that you'd give your ability or your gifts and use it for the world and self and not use it for the Lord. And that's true of every one of us in every area. God help us to be considerate of the Lord and all he's done for us and to keep stoking the fire and stay in the race and keep in the battle. Father, we come.